So, I am concluding our Jesus parables. Who's enjoyed the Jesus parables, huh? Finding out some secrets, yes? Let me talk about real quick, actually I wanted to hit on this. So a couple things about that we're doing at the church that they mentioned. Um, you guys know we have our outreach center, yeah? God bless us with that. It was amazing. If you don't know, the story was, for years we've been talking about how do we reach the poor? How do we, we know that in scripture Jesus is super big on, right, us reaching the poor in some form or fashion. But it's, it's a little complicated in a country like America, yeah? Because you can end up entitling or enabling. You can end up being more of a problem than you are helping. So we were praying, like, how do we do this well? How do we do this for Christ? We know it's biblical. How do we do it? And God gave us, literally gave us, a $350,000 building paid for, for outreach. The story, hold on, the story gets better. The story gets better. Not only did he give us a building, 180, anyone who 180 is? It's probably the biggest outreach company, I guess you could call it, one of the biggest in our area. Um, that reaches, you know, they work with drug addicts, they work with all kinds of different ministries. They have been in dire need of space and facility. So we've partnered with 180, and they just launched two weekends ago their first ministries in our outreach center. So they are doing, they're doing, it's kind of two or three programs. They're doing one called Prevent. It's an after-school kids program where they work with, with kids that really don't have parents to go home to they're going to help them with school. They're going to be a positive influence in their life. They're working with those children. On Saturdays, they have a youth program. Um, they get together with the youth. Um, and then also there's a food pantry. So those three things are happening in our outreach center that God provided us, and we're able to help them serve the poor, yeah? The cool thing is, is not only do they do it, they have the programming for it. They do it well. They do it without enabling. Yep, so that's what we want. So we're believing God's going to do even more through that building, and eventually— eventually we will be putting a church location in that spot. Now, we don't know the timeline of that. We believe God's raising up a team. We're not going to rush it at all. It's not going to be a church that we go down there and start a Sunday service and then dies in six months. It's going to be well thought out, prepared, but we will, we do feel called to reach that part of town because I'll be honest, pastors don't want to put a church in that part of town. It is not easy, but we're called to the ends of the earth, yes? Yep, all places. So, give one more round of applause for that, because that's awesome. All right, if you guys could all stand up, I'm going to read the word. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for another Sunday that we get to come and worship you together. We thank you that we have access to your word Anytime we want it, 24 hours a day, Father God, that we can be enlightened, that our souls can be lit on fire, that our dead bones can be made alive by simply reading this word right here, Father. And today I just ask that you speak through my mind and through my vocal cords and penetrate the hearts of the believers and non-believers in this house, God, and do the work that you've, that you've called me to do, Father. And all God's people said, you may be seated. So the cool thing about studying the word and preaching the Bible is this. 
So today I was like, oh, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up Jesus' parables. I'm going to do like, you are the light of the world. You know, this little light of mine. I'm, it's going to be a really positive, uplifting message, you know, and we're all going to go out of here happy and tell everyone about Jesus. We're going to let our lights shine in the world. But what happens is, this is what's fascinating. You start to read the Bible. You start to study the Bible. Right? And it, it, it takes on a whole different, deeper meaning than you initially thought. It's so easy to read over that and be like, oh, yeah, I get it. Be a light. Don't be a dark guy. Be a light guy. I didn't mean that. Anyway, Willie, don't look at me like that. That's not what I meant. <laughs> be a good guy, not a bad guy. I should have said it that way. <laughs> I'm always putting Willie on the spot in here. Anyway. <laughs> no, do good. Don't do bad, right? Be a light in the world. But when I start, here's the best way to interpret the Bible is this. You interpret the Bible with the Bible. Does anyone understand that? You read something, if you don't understand it, the cool thing, especially with Jesus, when Jesus spoke in parables, you know who elaborated a lot on Jesus' parables? The New Testament writers, Paul, John, a lot of these people. So you go to scripture and you find out what does this actually mean, okay? So I want to start with defining some terms. So when we say light, you're the salt of the earth, the salt of taste. It says, you are the light of the world. Well, what is light? What is light? And John 8 says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now turn to John 1 for me. Turn to John 1. I just want to make sure we understand this before I get too far into it. So John 1 says... We all know this verse. It's one of my favorite in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was with him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The goodness in us, the light in us, is Jesus himself. You see that? Here's what it's not. Oh, today I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to be a really good person. That is not what it is. It's Christ that lives inside of us. Now, what is the fruit of light? What is the actual fruit of light? The fruit of light is this. In Ephesians 5, 9, once again, finding the answers in the Bible says, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. All that is good and right and true. So a few things more that I can say about just setting the stage here. What we know about this verse, here's what it tells us. Salt and light are meant to influence the world in some way. We can see that in Scripture, yes? Now let's talk about salt for a minute. I'll just touch on this briefly. Most of today's going to be about light, but I'm going to touch on salt for a minute. Salt is what? He's talking to a Jewish context, right? We know back 30 AD, whatever it was. We know that salt is meant to pre preserve and improve taste. Yes. And we're also meant to help make it taste better. Right? The beauty, the goodness, everything that is good, right, and true. Right? That is who we are called to be. Now, I want everyone to turn with me. Now that we've defined some terms to 1 John, we're going to spend some time here. 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 10. I should hear pages shuffling or iPhone like fingers going. 
1 John 1, 5 through 10. That God is light, there it is, and in him we have no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So when I read this first verse that I gave you guys, be the light of the world, you're the salt and the light, I have to go deeper. I have to figure out, okay, how? How do I let my light shine? If we say we have fellowship while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, the first thing I want to pick up on in that scripture is this. It says, we do not practice the truth. Realize he's talk, John's talking to believers. He doesn't say you don't have the truth. He says you're not practicing the truth. I find that super fascinating. The second one is this. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, the Greek word there is this. It says it's a spiritual contributor or a partnership. If you're walking in the light, here's how you're going to feel. You're going to feel as if you are in fellowship or unity or a spiritual contributor to the community that's around you in the church. You hear that? You're going to feel as if you're a contributor. So many times in church, I see people that come on Sundays, and I'm, I'm going to get hard here for a minute. They come to church, they do their thing, but are you contributing to this body? Are you contributing to this body? You are called, God has put his light inside of you, his giftings inside of you, so you can help us make a mark on a city. Okay? But it says here, you're not practicing the truth. We get so caught up in our own selfish ways, we think that we just add a little bit of Christianity to the rest of our life. No, Christianity is the thing that the rest of our life circles around. It's the main thing. God wants to do something through every single one of you. He wants your lights to shine, but you have to practice the truth. Now, I understand we're selfish. We're fallen. We worship money. We worship our jobs. We worship our families. We worship almost everything else other than God a ton of the time. Our hearts are idol factories. Remember the idol series? We are idol factory makers. We can worship almost anything. I don't care if it's clothes, cars, whatever. We want to worship anything but God. But he's constantly drawing and pulling us back to himself. So, the cool part about this scripture, and this is where my message took a complete turn. Because to be honest with you, I thought I was going to preach an evangelistic message. Let your light shine and tell everyone about Jesus. Here's where it took a turn. I'm reading this, I'm like, how do I walk in the light? And here's where he goes after verses 7. In verse 7 it says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. That's if we do. Then he goes in and says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Isn't it fascinating that even a scripture on light comes back to what? The gospel message. The gospel message that you are a sinner that needs Jesus. 
Guys, the whole Bible comes back to this point. You know why? Because it's so easy for us to start walking in legalistic. Like, oh, we can do this ourselves. I can follow the rules. I can do it all right. I can let my light shine. That's not, what, that's not at all what he's called you to. You know what he's called you to? To rest in the arms of Christ and let him be the light and him be your righteousness. When you are in darkness, you can't see clearly. Light is what enables us to see things, including things that still need more light. Is that up there? Shoot. I'm going to say that again. Guys, let me paraphrase it my own way. We can still have areas in our lives that are dark. We can still have sins in our lives that are dark. It takes the light of Christ, Jesus in his word, to illuminate those things to us, yes, so they can become light. So literally, John is saying here, if you want to walk in light, it starts with this, acknowledge you have darkness. Acknowledge that you have sin. If sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. Now I'm going to get practical here and show you how this works in a second. C.S. Lewis says this though. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Leave that up there. I want everyone to see this. Now that is an apologetic statement saying this is how I see the world, right? I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Not only because I see the sun, but because by the sun, I see everything else. It's the same way when you become a Christian. When you get in the word of God and you start studying it, here's what happens. You start to see a whole lot more about yourself than you used to. He starts to illuminate the darkness in your light, and he starts to turn it into light. Now, I want to get practical. How does this work? I'm going to give you guys a few examples of how this has been a reality in my life recently. Recently, I've been doing a ton of study on family. It's where we're going next in our church, where you talk about family a lot, what that looks like leading a godly home and all of that. But God has illuminated darkness in my life in the area of fatherhood. See, I'm a pastor on Sundays, right, and during the week, and I lead small groups and all that stuff. But I notice the word takes very seriously that a man is the spiritual head of his home. That a man is to lead his home like I lead a church. You're leading a church. You are the spiritual head of your home. Whether you're a bad head or a good head, you're the spiritual head of your home. Now, I started to realize, when's the last time I got my family together and I taught them the word? And I opened the scripture and started teaching them, not just to hear me on Sundays, but when did I teach them in person? Do I sit and do I pray with my wife and pray with my kids and pray with my family? And of course I do occasionally. But I don't take it as seriously as I thought. And I heard a sermon that said, you know what? You can be a man that has started every ministry under the sun. I don't care if you feed the homeless every day of your life. If you're not spiritually leading your home, you're not a man. And that hit me super hard. And so a place that was dark in my life, God's illuminated, and guess what's happened? I'm trying to take dinners more seriously. I try to read the word more seriously with my family. Trying to pray more. Trying to... I've been so passionate about it. Listen to this. This is a funny story. You ready to hear something funny? Confession time. So I had this huge plan. Like, Monday I came out. I, I got really convicted about this. I'm like, I'm going to be the spiritual head of my home. So Monday we had a dinner, and we prayed, and we, 
we read the word together. We're going through Proverbs together, and I let the kids, you know, gave me their idea of what it meant, and we sang a song together, all this stuff. Then it was Tuesday or Wednesday, the next opportunity, and I was like, I had the whole night playing, going to Proverbs 2, and we're singing our little hymn, and I'm going to show them how to be the man. I'm going to make a difference in my kids' lives, and one day they're going to reflect Jesus like they should, and all this passion. And then my wife gets home from work, and she didn't have time to cook dinner. And here this whole time, I thought she had it all planned out. So I get home, she's on the phone, you know, kind of quickly throwing a meal together, and I start to get angry because it's not the way that I thought it should go. So I end up losing my temper, throwing the phone, going to eat at Texas Roadhouse by myself. The kids sat and had dinner. This is reality. I'm being honest with you guys. Isn't it funny how I took a good thing and made it absolutely selfish and all about me? You guys didn't even laugh. You're just sitting there looking at me. I wasn't planning on telling you that, but anyway, I've been really, really passionate about the fact that I want to lead my home, and I believe that there's fruit in that. God took darkness, right? And now that's going to become a light. And that's what it means to walk in light and let your light shine, because the light is what? It's not you, it's who? It's Jesus. Another different situation in my own life. Years ago, if you guys have been a part of our church for a long time, you know we had a nasty church split years ago. Um, my cousin left our church. It was one of the hardest times of my whole family's life. So it was a family divide. It was awful. Awful. Um, for a long time, I held resentment in my heart. I held resentment in my heart. He was my mentor. He was, my, he was a lot. He was who I looked up to spiritually, and he crushed my soul, basically. Anyway, he left. For years, I held bitterness in my heart, and I decided, you know what? That's not biblical. That's not biblical. God illuminates a dark spot in my life, right? So what I do is I reach out. We start having conversations, and to this day, we're probably better friends than we've ever been. He has, oh, sorry. He has a different church, if you don't know, across town. Um, we're both pastors. We meet all the time. We talk about ministry. We talk about life. But it's amazing how God took darkness, right? And his light shined. His light shines. So I want you to pause for a second and think about it. What areas of your life, you want your light to shine, Jesus living inside of you, what areas of your life is still dark? So let's move on. We're going to get into that now. Ephesians 5, 7 through 9 says this. Right after Paul lists a bunch of sins of the world, sexual morality, drunkenness, all these things, he says, therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now are you... Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. I want to take a second there. All that is good and right and true. When you become a Christian, it can become somewhat overwhelming, and here's why. There are so many different areas of your life that you can ask the question, am I fully glorifying God? Is God acting, am I seeing all that is good, right, and true in every area? Let me list some. How do you spend your time? Do we spread the gospel message? What does your marriage look like? How's your parenting? Are you focusing on the right career? Are you glorifying God fully in your career? Your finances? Your physical health? In every area of your life, you can ask the question, am I producing all that is good, right, and true in this area? Is God's light shining? Is it making his reputation better? And here's the, the depressing part is usually it's no. 
Usually we are not fully glorifying God in every one of those areas. See, people have a misunderstanding of what sin is. They think of sin as like really bad acts, which that is true. But sin is actually this. It's a violation of your God-given purpose. Any violation of your God-given purpose is a sin. People, oh, oh, I always crack up when I hear people say, oh yeah, I can go a week without sinning. You have no idea how much you just shrunk the holiness of God by saying that you can go a week without sinning. You cannot go a day without sinning. Now, I'm not saying that to beat you up. Here's what I'm saying. We get to rest in the finished work of Christ because he's our righteousness. You will never be good enough in yourself. So I want you to be sitting there. I want you to think, what areas in your life do you want light to shine? What areas is there not light shining? What areas does your lamp need to become brighter? Right? Are you trying to muster it up yourself, or are you resting in Christ? Are you confessing to him, God, you know what? I haven't been a good dad. I haven't been a good father. I haven't led my home like you've called me to lead my home. And maybe women, I don't know, I haven't respected my husband. I haven't put the right things first that need to be first. I've idolized my children. Whatever, I don't know what it is in your life. What areas do you need to say, God, I need your light to shine? Verse 11 through 14 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Now here's the part. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Anything that becomes visible is light. How many times have you seen that in the church? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust a couple of people out, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this. But man, we've got two people in here that used to be drug addicts. That used to be drug addicts. And guess what? I bet a lot of that was in secret. And guess what? That stuff got brought to light. And now they are two of the brightest, shining people in our church. Yeah? You two stand up real quick. Josh, stand up. I mean, there's one of them right there. Matt? Yeah. See these two? I mean, what a story. And listen, if you don't think you're a drug addict, you're just an addict to something different. Okay, you may not do drugs, but are you addicted to finances? Are you addicted to making more money? Are you addicted to whatever it is in your life? Right? It's time to confess that and let his light shine. So then he goes on to say, but anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not become foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You guys can stand up together. So again, I want to ask you guys the question. Van, you guys can come. I want to ask you guys the question, what areas in your life do you need to make visible? What areas that are dark that you need to bring to the light? 
Now, here's what it doesn't, I'm not saying that you need to go shout from the rooftops to everybody you know what area of sin is in your life. What I am saying is, can you get serious with God and say, God, you know what? This part of my life's not good, and I need you to shine. I haven't been the dad I need to be. I haven't been the mom I need to be. I haven't been the spiritual leader that I need to be. I haven't been the church body member that I need to be. Whatever area it is, would you guys bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you illuminate to us what it is that you want to say. God, I just ask that these would be all shining people, Father God, that would shine so bright that people couldn't help but know it was God on them, that it was Jesus in them. We know that you are inside every single person, Father. But God, so often we get in the way from letting you shine as bright as you want to shine. Father, we repent of that. We confess to you that we know we still have areas and ask you to come into us, Father, and shine like you want to. And all God's people said.